Good evening. Welcome to our first chapel service for the 2012-2013 year. Good job. If this is your first chapel service here at Nazarene Bible College, can I have you raise your hand? Let's welcome them, those that are raising their hands. Welcome. First chapel service. Amen. My name is Jonathan Nels. If I haven't met you, I'm your chaplain here at NBC. And if I haven't met you, come and see me. I would like to meet you and establish a great relationship. Amen. Our speaker for this evening is Dr. Gary Streit. He's Vice President for Academic Affairs. He's sitting over here. Let's welcome Dr. Streit. Some of you may notice that Dr. Graves was originally scheduled, but he, due to some illness, he's not be here be able to be here tonight, but keep him in prayer, but he'll be here here in a couple weeks to speak to us, okay? We have a new theme this year. I don't know if you've noticed, it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, and if I can have Vic bring up the passage, and I would like for us to say it together. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let us say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Amen. Amen. And this fall, fall trimester, I would like for us to focus on what God has given us. He's not given us a, a spirit of fear, of cowardice, but a spirit of power, a spirit of dunamis power. And that, that is awesome. So if we can have you uh, stand this evening as we worship. And we're looking forward to a wonderful year together of God meeting with us here in chapel and just worshiping together and, and praying with you all, gr growing together. And just as we come and say, yes, God. Amen. Yes, God, you have called us, and here we are. Here I am. And so come, now is the time to worship, and now is the time to give your hearts, and let your prayer be willingly, God. We choose to surrender our lives. Willingly, we choose you now. So let us worship. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer tonight. Take our lives and let it be consecrated to you. We pray, Father, for this time together, and even our, as we begin our uh, time together in chapel, may you, Father, just meet with us here. God, fan into flame this yes. fire within us, God. Yes. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good evening. First of all, I want to thank you for not leaving because when you walked in, many of you, I assume, are here because you knew the president was going to be speaking. Well, guess what? He's not. But you stayed anyway, and I appreciate that. The second thing you need to know is that I am not an ordained elder. I am a layman, and that means I haven't had a homiletics course. So I don't really know how to do what... I'm being asked to do, so guess what? I just get to do what I want to do and have as many points as I want to have. It's important for us to know, my friends, where we are in order to get where we're going. At the 1964 General Assembly that met in Portland, Oregon, that's the General Assembly of the Church of the Nazarene, then General Superintendent G.B. Williamson declared, and I quote, 
A Bible college is greatly needed to fill an increasing need in, need in the ranks of Nazarene ministry preparation. Our colleges and seminaries will continue to do their part, but if we are to adequately staff our churches, and if we are to anticipate our needs of this growing denomination, then we will need to provide that kind of an option that will lead adult women and men to ordination in our denomination as well as throughout the Holiness Church. This college will focus on Bible and theology, on preaching and practice, and these will be given prominence. The college will be staffed with able and experienced practitioners. Well, a day or two after that impassioned speech, that General Assembly meeting there in Portland voted to establish what we now know today as Nazarene Bible College, and the rest is, as we say, history. Colorado Springs was selected to be the site. There were lots of cities in the U.S. vying for this college, but Colorado Springs made, made it and made a very attractive offer to get the college here and the college, as you know, is on this bluff overlooking a beautiful city in Pikes Peak. We have 45 acres built around the Apostles' Court. And that's interesting history. But look around this room tonight. I was at that General Assembly, by the way. I was very, very young. Anybody else at that General Assembly in Portland, Oregon? And he was very young, too. Thank you, Dr. Madsen. Glad I was not the only one there. Uh, but what does that bit of history have to do with us seated in Strickland Chapel tonight? Well, I have a feeling that it has the link comes as we look at Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. I think NBC exists because of that, and then maybe even because of Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The Bible is pretty clear, is it not? that we are to prepare for this thing which God has called us to do. And the Bible, and I think the church is pretty clear, that the purpose and mission and goal of this college is to assist you in that journey. Thus, you are here. Think about it. Destination is very important. For instance, if you want a Big Mac, You'd better head to McDonald's and not to Burger King. Why? Why? Because Burger King doesn't do Big Macs. However, if the Whopper is on your mind, then you'd better go to Burger King, right? On the other hand, if you are fixated on waffle fries and chicken, chicken nuggets strike your fancy, then it's probably where? Chick-fil-A. But remember, don't go on Sunday. And here in Colorado Springs, if you, some of you are new to the Springs, but I have found out that the best ice cream in town is Josh and John's. 
Some of you know that. And if you haven't tried it, try it. Well, you won't find Josh and John's ice cream in Safeway. And if you're craving an Oreo blizzard, don't go to Josh and John's. Where should you go? Dairy Queen. Absolutely. Destination is important. If the Strikes want to go to the beach, we don't go to North and South Dakota. We hold these truths to be self-evident. <laughs> if we want to see the Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota, then we don't go to the beach. Destination is very important. If we want to see the Colosseum in Rome, then stay out of England. You see, destination informs our journey. We must begin with the end in mind. A week ago Saturday, I had the privilege of talking with uh, new students at orientation. And, and Dr. Matson is really, really, really playing up this idea of, as you study here at NBC, think about the end. Think about graduating. Don't think about just this trimester, but think about the end in mind. We even had somebody dress up in academic regalia and show us that morning what the end might look like. I think it was Brian. Is that right? Yes. You see, destination does inform the journey. Uh, well, you might say, how do I get to that end? Or how do I get to those ends? Because there are obviously a number of ends in mind that we need to have. Somebody might say, well, I'm just headed to heaven. That's all that matters. That is the end. Well, that's, that's really not quite why you're here, right? You're here with some other ends in mind. Certainly heaven is the end, the eternal end. But as you prepare for ministry, what does the Bible say about where we're headed? I love Philippians 3.13, and I went, uh, I looked at several versions today of Scripture, and I love the way that different uh, texts portray that Scripture somewhat differently. For example, Philippians 3.13 in the uh, New Living Translation says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to the future or what lies ahead. Now, remember, keep that, 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 those words, looking forward to, in mind. Another translation, the New American Standard Bible says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but now this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching for. The first verse said what? Looking forward. For, or looking toward, this translation said, reaching forward. Then the uh, God's Word translation says, this is what I do, I don't look back, I lengthen my stride. There's a progression here. Looking, reaching, lengthening my stride. The American Standard Version says, forgetting those things which are behind and stretching Stretching. And then the fifth, the fifth one that I looked at, the New International Version says, forgetting what is behind and straining. We go from looking to reaching to, 
to straining. All of those verses suggest motion, at least most of them, right? Stretch for me. Stretch for me. Stretch, come on. All right, now strain for me. Push those. Come on. Show. There's a difference, is there not? Movement forward. Stephen Covey, in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective Persons, says that one of those seven habits to be effective is knowing how to start today with the end in mind or the destination in mind. And he says there have to be two creations. You first of all have to think it, and then you have to do it. And you can't really do it unless you have a plan to do it. The two creations of destination, of the end in mind. Remember, if you go at Burger King to pick up your Big Mac, you're not going to get it. If you will get in that line at Burger King and you hear that voice and you say, it says drive up to window number two and you reach for your Big Mac, what's going to happen? They're not going to run across the street to McDonald's to get it for you. It's not going to be there because that is not the destination for that product. As both a believer in Christian higher education, which I am, I'm a product of it and have been in it most of my life, and as your academic dean, I want to really underscore for you tonight that through, God, through Christ's redemption, each of us is able to fully impact his or her destination. You have some control over that. Forgetting those things which are behind and looking, reaching, stretching, straining for those things which lie ahead. You can have... Don't, doesn't that give you great freedom? That you can indeed control that? Well, what are some of these goals? What are some of these ends that have brought you to Nazarene Bible College? Well, first of all, in Matthew 6, 20, or 33, we read what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. I assume that you're here, at least in part, to seek first the kingdom of God. That you have felt a call upon your life, amen? To do something in the kingdom, amen, which requires preparation. Thus, NBC. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all of these things shall be added unto you. The New Living Translation says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. I've been talking to you this last week, several of you, about things that you need. I've actually talked to a couple of you about some things that I need. We all need things. Live righteously, seek the kingdom, and he will give you everything that you need. God's word translation says, but first be concerned about his kingdom and what has his approval. 
then all these things will be provided for you. And then the message. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Have you found that true in your life? To this, maybe every, every day, every hour, sometimes? You don't have to answer that. But think about that. Has God met your need? Has he been faithful to what his word says? Now, all of this seeking first, the kingdom stuff, sounds very simple, I know. It's easy for me to stand up here and talk to you about this. And it is if we are seeking to make first things first or if we are beginning with the end in mind. I wake up every day, and I started this practice a long time ago. I wake up every day assuming that everybody in the world loves me. I'm not kidding you. I do. I start that way. And you know, they have about 12 to 15 hours to prove me wrong. And sometimes they do. But guess what? Then I go to bed. And I go to sleep and I wake up the next morning assuming that everyone in the world loves me. Seeking first the kingdom. Beginning with the end in mind. Because I begin with the idea that I want everybody to love me and I want to love everyone. I have to begin there. The scriptures are full of reminders that God will not expect us to do that alone. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? Amen? Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with, say it with me, with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. He'll do it. Romans 8, 14, those led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Those, are, those led. Galatians 5, 18, those led by the Spirit are not under the law. And John 16, 13, yet the Spirit of truth does not lead people into confusion. Ever been confused? That's not God's fault. If any of you are so bold as to once in a while pick up a hymnal, leaf through it. You'll find that the hymns of the church even convey those meanings or those messages. God leads us along, some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, Still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Pick up a hymnal once in a while. It'll do you good. God will take care of you. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide. God will take care of you. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? For I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Some of you are old enough to remember um, an inspirational speaker, writer, named Bob Benson. 
Bob Benson actually, I went back and checked, Bob Benson spoke here at Nazarene Bible College a number of times. He spoke at all of our Nazarene colleges a number of times, and he spoke throughout the evangelical community widely, and he wrote numerous books that were very, very, very uh, appealing to folk who were facing various and sundry kinds of challenges. And uh, I want to share one of his thoughts that I think really gets at this business of beginning with the end in mind. Figuring out why we're here, figuring out where we're going, figuring out how we're going to get there during our tenure here at the college. How we're going to get to graduation. How we're going to get to that assignment after graduation that God has motivated you and called you to do or to prepare to do. And he simply calls this, did they hear my vest? Now, back uh, not too many years ago, we guys wore three-piece suits. They're coming back, by the way. I saw it at the uh, thrift store the other day. I almost bought one. No joke. A beautiful new, new suit. Um, I, I love to check out those, uh, find some good buys there. Three-piece suits, you know, uh, the pants, the coat, and the vest. And uh, the vests always motivate me to jog more because you got to get, gotta get them buttoned. Anyway, Bob Benson talks about this business of a vest, and I think he illustrates something for us quite well. He says, I was invited out to a college to speak the other day. You always want to do your best when you speak at a college. You know, there, there are such smart people there. there. Those colleges are such reservoirs of knowledge and wisdom. Smart people, there for a purpose, and that purpose is to learn. And so at least it seems that they should certainly want someone to come to speak who has a love of learning and who can act at least somewhat intelligent. He said, I get real nervous when I go to colleges to speak. But anyway, I went. And he said, you know, the freshmen, they bring to college with them something. And then the seniors, they actually take away a little bit more. And that's how Bob described the college experience. Uh, but he said, I was also in my own hometown, speaking at a college across town where a lot of people knew me, which added even more pressure to the assignment. 500 miles, he said, is a wonderful distance for a speaker because if you're 500 miles away from home, you can carry a big briefcase and be a real expert because nobody much knows anything about you. But he said, I studied and studied and studied and prayed earnestly for that day because I was going to speak to a thousand college students in their chapel. I wanted to give them some direction. I wanted to make an imprint. I wanted to make an impression on their lives. So the day came, and um, I took my task very seriously. I showed up, and I decided to wear the best three-piece navy pinstripe suit that I had in the closet. I liked that suit. It was very slenderizing. It was very, very appealing. And I thought, those students will be really impressed with this suit that I'm going to, to, to wear. He said, I think it'll make me look like a wise man from the East. 
So I went out to chapel, and I spoke. And he said, I, I have to say, those students were very polite. A few looked sort of glazed over, and a few slept. But for the most part, they were very polite. So after chapel, I went down front to talk with students and say hello and to wish them well and to, to pray God's blessings on them. And he said, I noticed that a group of students came up to me and one student in particular said, or, or started sort of looking at me strangely and then said, well, look at that. And I looked down to see what he was looking at. Only to see that my vest was buttoned wrong. All the time I had been standing in front of those 1,000 students and that impressive faculty, I was standing there in front of that chapel looking, trying to look reasonably important, and all the time they must have been sitting there thinking, where did they get this guy? He doesn't even know how to button his clothes. Well, but since it happened, let me try to salvage a bit of my wounded pride and honor by philosophizing about that incident for a minute or two. Think about it. It's really not hard to button your vest wrong. You know, all you have to do is put the second button in the top hole. Or else, slip the second hole over the top button. From then on, it's as easy as falling off a log. Because the rest will follow along slick as a whistle. All you have to do is start wrong. Ending wrong will take care of itself. I hear the words of Christ coming to me these days through things as simple as buttoning a vest. Very simple. I guess they would have to be, this is Bob Benson speaking, for a mature man who hasn't passed buttoning yet. But I hear Christ saying to me, there is just one way to button your vest right. There will always be a button left over or an extra hole when you start buttoning your vest wrong. But if you begin right, if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, the Father will guarantee that you will completely button the vest in the way that it was intended to be buttoned. The rest, the rest if we start right, we'll find their rightful place. Bob says, if I could have told those college students anything that morning, I mean in a way that it really stayed with them, I guess I would have been, it would have been about the business of starting with the end in mind. Why are you here at NBC? What has God called you to do? What are the, the seemingly insurmountable impediments that you've already begun thinking about that you just don't understand how it's going to happen. Beginning with the end in mind. Seeing the end. I don't know if those students 
heard anything that I said in that chapel that morning. But I pray that they heard my best speaking loudly and clearly to them. First chapel, first week of classes, second night of classes. Everybody has an A. Think about it. 4.0 so far. Why, why change it? Why change it? One day at a time, one assignment at a time, one paper at a time. And eventually, you'll, you will have written enough papers, you will have taken enough tests, you will, satisfy, you will have satisfied enough requirements that you will have reached the end that brought you here to begin with. Do you believe that? Looking, reaching, stretching, straining for that which God has promised to enable us to do. Let's pray. Our Father, we, uh, we admit that um, it's much easier to talk about it than to do it. But I pray, dear Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you will visit each of us in a very special way as we begin this, this term. Lord, I pray that we will live on the victory side, that we will not succumb to the discouragements of the enemy. We pray that your Holy Spirit will enable us to do that which you have called us to do and to prepare to do it, and that this will be a wonderful, wonderful term for every woman and man here at Nazarene Bible College. Help us to help one another. Help us to sense when we need to add a word of encouragement. Help us not to be fearful of talking one with another about what's going on in our lives. And help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on the prize, the end in mind. We pray these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to class with the end in mind. Is that right, Jonathan? Thank you so much.